Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 195. Uh, you got Chris and Brian, and today uh, we're going to look back on our 2022 training calendar, um, some of the things we did, some of the lessons learned, uh, maybe some of how it all sort of came together um, by the end of the year. And yeah, we're just going to rock and roll with this. Kind of, kind of a year in review. Um, this will be a gump cast of sorts. Um, I, 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 if, if we're starting somewhere, what's the source? Yeah, because we we made a lot of changes to how we do things. We had some things that we did again that we kept with that were more tactics based. But from a conversation, the conversation switched to a laser focus on hard skills. Yeah, where's that come from? Uh, yeah, that comes pretty much from the Ben Steger, uh, Matt Pranka, Mike Pannone, uh, like that that tribe of guys yeah. that's been doing the Redneck Lives on the X-Ray Alpha Instagram. Um, you know, Practical Shooting Training uh, was the book from Ben Steger and Joel Park. Um, the new adaptive rifle book that came out about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Uh, on the rifle side, you know, we've been using that um, the last few training events. Yep. Uh, as we've gotten back into long guns. Uh, but yeah, taking, trying to refine like really foundational and fundamental skills to build a better platform to try to do everything off of. Yeah. Versus trying to do everything with hard skills that are there, but they're not perfected. Yeah, they're not perfected. Yeah, and I and I don't and I don't even know that I want to like like the whole relentless pursuit of perfection mentality is probably where we're headed because I don't think you're ever going to get there. Uh, we keep seeing yeah. the limits of human performance. What we thought was possible, um, you know, every year is is a little further along. So that kind of that that pursuit of being as good as we can be in the time allotted or the time that we choose to allot, whatever the yeah. case may be, and then also a recognition that. Um, you know, we've, we've allotted a little more. I've done more dry fire in the last year. Not enough, but I've done more dry fire in the last year um, than I've probably ever done. Um, and I would love to say, man, it really shows. Um, it's shown. It's shown. You can tell. But good Lord, it's free. And, and every time I do it and then hit the range, even if I do it a couple times and then have a week off before I go to the range, there's still there's something, there's something to it, which yeah. is kind of a duh kind of thing to say. But it's just true. I mean, to you, it, on the, the dry fire side, you know, it really cuts down. If you get out to the range, like we're out there, what, twice a month on yeah. average? Yeah, no matter what, you I mean, know. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Going, doing, you know, a couple dry fire sessions every week, you cut the intervals between training from, you know, once every two weeks to once every couple of days. Yes. Uh, and that really makes a difference. That's a big difference. Uh, and, and I, you know, and everybody, you know, it's kind of like this mentality too around, we're not really taking it as, oh, if I do more dry fire, I don't have to shoot as much ammo. Um, I don't think that's kind of been our mentality. It's just that we're adding the dry fire in as additional stuff. It's a little more work. We're doing a little more work. Um, and, and, and not in huge chunks where the range sessions, the range visits are a couple few hours, um, and potentially, you know, a couple hundred rounds or more, you know, maybe a little less, maybe a little more depending on what we do. Um, but it's it just, like you said, it's that you're touching the gun and working with the gun more often and doing those hard skills more often, even if there's no bang attached to it. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely made a difference, uh, especially when some of this stuff, like I crashed and burned, like I showed up, hadn't done the work ahead of time and, and kind of got it shoved down my throat with my performance, not by anybody else, but just seeing what I saw and said, okay, so let's put a little bit into this and a little bit more. And I literally mean a little bit more. I'm not talking about hours. Um, 
and you come back two weeks later and it's like, okay, that, that made a understanding what to train because you knew where you crashed and burned and then how to train it after seeing the failure yeah. was a big, was a big deal. So yeah. Yeah. yeah especially at, like for me on the dry fire side, I've been breaking stuff into it's like 10 minute chunks usually. Yeah. Um, the dry fire timer app, um, it looks like an international IPSC target, um, on a blue background yep. as the icon, yep. um, setting up a program where I can run, you know, usually it's somewhere between 25 or 50 iterations of a given drill, yeah. um, with decreasing part times, um, be able to do that for 10 minutes and then go do some other stuff for a while, you know, maybe do another session like that at some point later in the day. Yeah. Um, that has made really big improvements, especially on the vision side. Yes. Um, because you can't, <clears throat> trying to figure out the vision only in live fire, um, you can do it and you'll probably be happy with the part times if you don't know what the actual like, acceptable, good, and then possible yeah. um, part times are. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my time wasn't quite as good as I wanted it to be. Yeah, and it's probably better um, than it was previously, but still but just nowhere yeah. near. Where Whereas yeah. like yeah. doing the dry fire ahead of time yeah. and figuring out a lot of the vision stuff, all of a sudden I can like I can show up to the range and be under that good part time. Yeah. And then go chase the possible part time. Yeah, and somebody some smart dude once said something like, you know, the body's not gonna go where the brain hasn't already. And if you're doing the visual stuff especially all of it, but the visual stuff, especially um, in dry fire, that that really sh you could see that with your shooting, especially anything involving target transitions. Um, you know, that's th that was one of the places where uh, the gentleman who did who helped us out the last podcast, the other white meat, Brian, um, you know, it, it is a very good visual shooter. He's very mm -hmm. good at tracking the sights, tracking the targets, etc., and getting from place to place visually. Um, to the extent that, like, it's really difficult if you just close your eyes when he's running a drill to tell where the shots are going from a cadence perspective. Very, very consistent. Um, that's visual processing, and that is something that definitely seen an improvement in your shooting. Um, and a little bit in mine, because I do, I've been doing a little bit of that, uh, probably more so with the handgun, because I didn't do that with the rifle much. More The rifle was more focused on the mount and, and kind mm -hmm. of doing doubles dry fire or build drills, dry fire, that kind of stuff. Um, cause, because I was struggling with just the mount and then getting the transitions, it felt like I was already in water that was too deep, so didn't really get there yeah. before our last rifle. So, it still did okay, but you guys were you guys were running close a lot closer to the possible times. I was running at the okay time, which I'm okay with right now, but I also have a plan now to get closer yeah. to where I want to be. And a lot better way of diagnosing it, I think, between yeah. the drills. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you want to go start like handgun first or, or is there somewhere? How do you want to? Yeah, direction? I was just going to bring up, like we talked about, um, you know, shooting doubles drill. Mm -hmm. um, I think doubles drill, both on the handgun side and on the rifle side, really yeah. opened up a lot of things for us as far as like how far out we can be. Yeah, and shoot predictively um, as our grip has gotten better or our mount's gotten better. Uh -huh. um, and then to go with that, also really spending a lot of time to learn the difference between predictive and reactive shooting. Yes. Um, and learning, you know, kind of what at what distance we've got to go to reactive, um, at what distances we can be 100% accountable and shoot predictively. And then also 
starting to learn how to switch between the two um, in the same drill at speed. Yeah. Um, shooting like rifle cross, or I'm sure we'll shoot. We'll end up shooting pistol cross in the spring. Um, but a drill where we're shooting six target zones in under five seconds. Um, two, three of the target zones are reactive, and three of the target zones are predictive. Yeah. And you know, mentally being able to switch back and forth between what you're doing with target transitions um, and keeping it all straight at you know Mach two with your hair on fire. Yes. Yeah, and it, and it and it really was a beautiful thing because you know when we ran that when we ran the rifle cross, um, I was super surprised that I was able to do what I was doing, and it was based on the mount. I would have, but I'm then I'm watching you guys run it a half a second or a second faster because the visual processing aspect of it was there, and the cadence was, the cadence was way more under control. The drive from target to target was way more under control and way smoother where I wasn't because I just the visual processing in of it was something I wasn't doing. So the the little bit of dry fire I have and I've gotten in that was over a week ago. I've gotten in three yeah. sessions with working on the mount. Um, but one of the things that I, I spent um, uh, an almost 15 minute block just chasing getting target to target to target smooth, not even trying to go fast. And a matter of fact, for probably the first five minutes, I didn't even do the timer. It was just mounting the gun and running through the six different target zones just to get there, just to get yeah. there and try and be smooth about it and not overswing and stuff like that. And then went to the app and ran the timer and then tried to push the times down. And you're not getting, you know, there's no recoil control. So it's still trying to focus on doing all the right things with the mount, like keeping the gun in tight in your elbow, mm -hmm. your support elbow down and all that fun stuff. Um, and, you know, just working your way through that and driving the reps. Um it, 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 I don't know if the times are good or not, because when the gun's not going bang, it's yeah. hard to be honest, it, but it's, it's not hard to be honest about was, was the dot where you wanted it when you touched right. the trigger kind of mentality. Um, but again, it's not about that. It's about the visual processing aspect of it. So I'd be curious to see, I'm probably going to do some on my own time on that, um, just to kind of work on that live fire a little bit. Uh, but I just think these things, it just makes a huge difference. So and yeah. we, we know this, these are nothing new. We know it, but doing the work yeah yeah we definitely put more emphasis on it this year yep. yep i think than we have in the past and we've changed i know for me in the past dry fire was a lot of either just like out of the holster and bang uh -huh. or well i mean not really bang, well, get but click yeah get a click yeah um or it was you know taking a like a disa pistol like a czpo7 uh -huh. um in between kettlebell sets and yep. just like trigger presses with the sight stable yep but there wasn't the the emphasis on visual processing, it was all more about the trigger. Yeah. And I think if anything, we've learned this year that like the trigger doesn't matter quite as much as maybe we always thought it had. Yeah. The, it you was, know, it's a lot more grip and visual processing. Yeah. There's a lot, there's been such a hard push for so long on, um, you know, sights, trigger, sights, trigger, sights, trigger, sights, trigger, which is, you know, that's, that's awesome. Um, those things are important. No denying that, not, not taking anything away from that, but there's recognizing the forgiveness or where things fall apart for you. Um, and if you're not seeing where you need to be next to, you just, it, it's just the next step. It's the evolution of making this work. Um, not the, the sights and trigger alone is a static conversation to some extent, whereas the, the visual aspect of it is the dynamic part of it. Kind of. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. So yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense the to visual, you. Welcome to my brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes when it comes to going fast, be it on the range or honestly yeah. on the racetrack too. Sure. Um, you know, being able to visually process 
quickly and visually process exactly what you need um, is super important. Um, One of the things my friend Mark, who runs the motorcycle program up at Mid-Ohio says, and he's done, he's actually done this with like eye tracking glasses and things. Uh, When he's on the track, his eyes move from exactly, you know, from the the breaking point to the turn-in point to the apex to the turn exit to the next breaking point. Uh, And his his eyes track around track around the track exactly like that lap after lap after lap. Um, somebody who's been to the track for the first time, um, they wear the same eye tracking glasses and their eyes bounce around everywhere yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, so they're looking, but they're not actually seeing what they need to. Yeah. Um, and they're just completely overwhelmed, uh, you know, with what they're seeing, uh, even though they're going a minute and a half, slower than what mark would be doing on a fast lap for him um and that's because he's learned to see what exactly he needs to see Uh, you know we come over to the gun side um being able to to immediately find you know a small point on the target stay on that you know keep our vision focused at that small point on the target you know and then get the gun aligned and get the sights where they need to be um be that the dot or, you know, iron sights and then go to work. And then once we've fired the shots we need to, uh, you know, immediately switch to a small point on the next target um, and do that, you know, at speed. Um, that's really where, you know, the, the if you're chasing times on drills or on stages, uh, you know, the amount of time you can find by shooting faster, yeah. meaning, you know, pulling the trigger faster is really, really small. Um, ch- making your target transitions more efficient, um, there's generally all kinds of time to be found there. There's, there's definitely time there, and then, the, and then the footwork time, you know, the combination of those two things, target-target transition and footwork is what wins matches, I would say, at, at a significant level on in USPSA. Yeah, um, I would say gunfights in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's just, just going to say leading into that, and the guys out there that will say, well, you shoot, you know, you get, that'll get you killed in the streets. Um, the reality check is, if you if you train your eyes to see things faster, to make decisions faster, we you know we're always quoting Boyd's OODA loop, and the very first part of the OODA loop is to observe. Um, and so the faster you can observe, the faster your eyes can take in and feed your brain information, and your brain can process it and figure out and a target zone for you to work on. Um, the the faster you're going to be getting to that point, even if you're slow with the gun, if you can process it faster, you're getting there quicker. Uh, and then learning how to drive the gun faster, the second, you know, the other hard skills, uh, grip and trigger control, all that fun stuff. It's still hard skills. Hard skills is hard skills is hard skills is hard skills. Yeah. So, you know, it, it does the whole, you know, oh, to get you killed in the streets. I don't know. I know some pretty serious dudes um, who are out in the line of duty every day doing work as law enforcement. And, and a couple, and now a couple dot mill guys, too, that are doing USPSA shoots. Because it does drive all those aspects. It's a place to practice hard skills and movement against people who can really shoot, um, not just someone who can ace a PT test. So, yeah. 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 If we look at, you know, a stage as a drill um, that is standardized for everybody on a given day. Yeah. In a given environmental condition. um, And then we have metrics based upon, you know, the performance of everybody on that drill. Yeah. Um, really lets you kind of see what you can do and what you can't. Yeah, and I, I think there's a conversation, too, around, you know, some of this stuff. And we've, we've had this conversation before, so this is not anything new. 
um, there, there is a little bit of ego, you know, here, you know, for anybody, you know, if you're, if you're a professional at arms and you go out with a bunch of dudes that are just civilians, um, and you get your ass handed to you by a bunch of guys who have hard skills drilled in better than you do. Um, you know, we talk about this, you know, as a, as a soldier, maybe you're more, more worried about the physical aspect of, of infill to a target, exfil from a target, you know, and actions on, on the objective, um, might not involve a gun, you know, it might involve other stuff. So, so understanding that not everything is the gun to a cop or to a soldier, it, I get that. That's cool until you need it. And then, and then everything is the gun when you need it. So it's just a place to practice hard skills. And there are some dudes out there, like I said, at a very high level in law enforcement, and the military that are turning to opportunities like this to, you know, they, to compete and have fun, but also to train and see where they kind of sit because some of these guys show up and you watch these GMs and master shooters and even A-class shooters, for God's sakes, you know, that are, that, that are yeah. sandbaggers like Ben, um, you know, different, different Ben than Ben Stager. Yeah. Diff, different Ben than Ben Stager. Although he might be a sandbagger too. I don't know. He just, yeah. I mean, he may be, who knows? But anyway, um, Ben knows who he is if he's listening. Um, kind of that mentality, that mentality around, you know, okay, who's better than me and watch what they're doing. And I want to get, I want to get that good. Yeah. It's just a chance to do it. Um, the guy who won't go out and throw his hat in the ring with that kind of stuff um, generally is hiding something ego-wise. Yeah, um, and this gets back to um, one of the things I picked up is really focusing on, you know, marksmanship training is primarily dry fire, and then we do live fire validation of that training. Yes. Um, and this is where, you know, shooting that match is a lot of times it's the live fire validation of the training you've been doing elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, for us going to the range, um, you know, our training nights aren't competitions, but they generally turn into competitions. Sure. Yep. Um, you know, that's the, the live fire validation of, you know, what have you been working on dry fire? Um, can you put it all together on demand? Yeah. Um, under some pressure. I mean, I realize it's not gunfight pressure, but you're in front of your peers. Still dudes looking at dudes. Yeah. Shooting guns. That sounded really. With a timer. That sounded kind of funny. Dudes looking at dudes. Dude, yeah, playing a dude, but it is playing a dude. dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your requisite quote right there. Um, it, it, but it is. I mean, it's it's pressure. You want to, you know, you want to perform um, for sure, and and that is. But the validation aspect of it, I totally agree with that. You know, if you're the little bit, you go out and validate what you've been training to, um, and let the gun move around a little bit. You know, that's the only thing you're getting is a little more gun movement, and then the reality check of, am I being honest with myself in my dry fire? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's some big stuff to chew on. Uh, you know, we, we keep having this conversation, you know, around if you train other people or you teach other people, this is, these are, this language is something you should be fluent in. Um, I, I would, I would like to be more fluent in it. One of the things that I've gotten out of taking training from high level instructors over the last 18 years or so um, is as much my skill set trying to maintain it or and or get better, depending on where I'm at in my life. Um, right now, I'd like to think that I'm pushing a little bit harder to get better uh, rather than maintain. The other thing that it does allow you to do, if you are the guy in your tribe who help, who is bringing other people along, it, it gives you a codification. It gives you a way to talk to people, to explain concepts to them. And some of this stuff is is outside of how we normally talk about hard skills. Uh, I'm leaving tactics somewhere else entirely. But how yeah. we talk about hard skills, these guys have kind of envisioned this a little bit differently and 
I think changed the focus of how you look at some of this stuff. Um, and, and, and there's some conversation out there around, well, this is very high level. No, it's not. This is foundational. This is absolutely foundational. Uh, so when we start talking about teaching new people how to shoot, if you're at a level with your skills and your experience and, and your access to facilities where you're teaching other people to shoot, uh, some of the conversations around still, still, well, you know, well, this guy's never shot a gun before, so we're going to teach him, uh, you know, trigger reset and blah, 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 and all this other bullshit that's probably way less relevant than gripping the shit out of the gun getting the right sight picture that's appropriate for the distance and the time hack necessary, and then getting on the trigger in an appropriate fashion yeah. to make the hit. Um, that, that's, that's not high level. That, the, that's fundamentals. And then with perfection or mastery of fundamentals comes speed and efficiency comes speed. Yeah. So, you know, that's a lot about what we're talking about here. And, and we're, you know, again, talking to some guys who do training here locally and they're trying to get that paradigm shift to happen Again, if you're somebody's rabbi and you're helping them out and you're focused on some of the old school stuff, heaven forbid it's, you know, saucer and teacup mentality, then please step aside and let someone else do it, um, yeah. you know, and go from there. But, yeah, yeah, we'd like to think that saucer and teacup mentality died with the queen, bless her heart. It, it yeah, it, I'm afraid it yeah unfortunately it didn't. Um, you know, again, without, I, I don't want to out anybody, but I mean, we, you know, we have access to co-workers we have access to customers and friends and peers and guys we train with who who are involved in this world you know again both civvy side le side and dot mill side and some of the stuff that comes back that they see where they come in after you know a weekend of training and and you have somebody who should be behaving at a higher level and it's not and the, you know the ego overruns that it's potentially somebody's life on the line maybe it's your you know maybe it's theirs Maybe it's their buddies. Maybe it's the guy in the cruiser next to him. Or maybe it's, as a civilian, it's your kid they're coming to rescue. Um, you know, so kind of pushing this paradigm forward, it maybe is a little bit of a duty for us, for the guys that are serious about it. It is for yeah. us. I know that. I mean, that's why we do what we do with yeah. the podcast. Otherwise, I could have just slept in this morning. Yeah. I'm a little bit hungover. So, I'm just saying. So. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, speaking yeah. of hungover, uh, one of the lessons I've kind of seen from the from climbing and whatnot is the people that learn how to, to put the fundamentals together um, properly end up being able to do harder things without having to like learn how to do harder things. Yeah. Uh, you know, learning really foundational techniques. And this is again, why we've gone back to, to perfecting, you know, the grip and the mount and the visual side of shooting um, is that we're not trying to learn, drills or perfect you know a drill or a standard uh -huh. or somebody's you know shoot this for a trinket trick yeah um but we're we're trying to learn the fundamental hard skills uh, so that when we are presented with a new drill or a new course of fire or whatever it's just like okay yeah you apply like, we can run it and we can run it kind of immediately at a really high level yeah um and again you know i see this in climbing, working with a lot of newer climbers, um, the, the folks that just try to do the same thing over and over and over again, and then finally get lucky and then they celebrate, um, versus the people that put in the time to really perfect, you know, the key techniques to climbing well, um, they just get on routes and send them. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the grade, um, uh, and they make it look pretty easy. Um, uh, and that again, translates to motorcycle riding at a really high level. 
Martial um, arts. Martial arts yep. translates to shooting. Um, so taking the time and kind of the step back to re reevaluate and relearn, you know, where your fundamental hard skills are at, um, makes a huge difference. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, introducing new shooters, um, to like pistols or rifles, um, teaching those fundamental hard skills and then giving them time to really work on that versus here's how you shoot this course of fire. Um, Because maybe somebody will, you know, like okay, they can, they can pass the course of fire, but can they actually run the gun when it comes down to do anything else? Well, can they react to some stimulus that's not that course of fire? Yeah. If you're doing this from a defensive perspective, whether again, military, <clears throat> law enforcement, civilian, if it's from a defensive perspective, it, it no different than you throw that climber with good skills onto any route they'll perform. If you throw the shooter with good skills into you know an environment that they can apply the hard skills to that environment. It's application of skills is what it is. That's tactics is how you apply skills to the environment. Um, you know, so the better those skills are, the, the, the more that's running in the background of the program and the more the brain can deal with the foreground tactics and reaction to stimuli conversation around this. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. And that's, that's what we want. That's the ultimate goal. And and I would, you know, I guess the, I listen to guys talk about jujitsu, and I'm going to throw this out there as somebody who has zero experience with jujitsu. But my understanding is there's like a billion different techniques. It would feel like, and the guys who have an understanding of what leads to what, how to apply those basic techniques, because maybe they're all similar. Hell, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you pile all this stuff on. But the guys with the good foundational skills apply those techniques, and they win matches, or they win fights, or they do things to people that look really painful. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing looks like it hurts, but. I've heard it referred to as murder yoga. <laughs> I have never heard that, and I'm going to start using that now. I'll probably owe somebody a quarter right now. So, yeah, murder yoga. I like that. So, yeah. So, like, yeah. same thing. Same, same, same. And I would yeah. also say from a, from a work perspective, you have your profession. You know, for you, what you do, you have the, the basic skills hammered down, and so when it's time to apply them to pro- solve a problem or create a product or make a sale or, or show a customer the tools and what they need to know, it's applying those hard skills to the conversation. It's yeah. no different. It's, it's, it's life. This is life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I think guys, this, this year has been an interesting year. Um, I, I, we have some guys in our training group, me being one of them. I think that, that kind of, you know, I had some fairly significant, like, aha, I don't want to say come to Jesus moments, but aha moments where it's like, Oh, okay. I really wasn't doing this anywhere near as well as I thought I was as a pretty experienced shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so some little tweaks and none of this was epiphany, you know, none of this was, holy cow, my life just changed. It was, but there were a lot of things where it's like, oh, well shit, if I just tweak this a little bit, man, does it work a lot better? But the foundational way of codifying how you think about it and then how you apply the skills, it, it just, some things open up when you put the work in. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other big takeaways, I think, and I saw this with Chris and I saw this, saw this with a couple other guys was taking a step back from that just slow down and get your hits mentality yep to no you really have to shoot this drill at this pace yeah um and we're going to keep shooting it until you refine the technique to make the hits at this new pace and i'm going to tell you that you will have a hard time doing that under live fire at the range in front of your buddies in the dark if you haven't done the work at home with dry fire yeah or wherever you do your dry fire. Maybe you go to the bathroom at Denny's and do it. I don't know. Whatever. But wherever you do your dry fire, um, you know, it's that working through it. If you're not doing, I mean, and again, I'm not doing all the work, but the little bit of work that I did, I you could tell. Mm-hmm. I, I could tell. 
I, you know, yeah. so yeah, I could tell. Yeah, they're like give yourself permission to make, you know, small marksmanship mistakes um, as you're trying to get better, mm-hmm. um, because you like especially going from always reactive shooting to going to predictive shooting. Yeah. Um, or trying to run predictive shooting, uh, kind of at that the spicy end of. I'm sorry, shooting reactively at the spicy end of reactive shooting. Yeah. Um, like you're not necessarily going to have that super nice tight little group. Yeah. Um, but by shooting at that pace, you're going to learn a lot of things about recoil and what the gun is doing um, that you won't learn when you're shooting slow. Yeah, there there are parts of the this the training paradigm that we're chasing right now that are outrunning your headlights to some extent, so you know where that point is. It's not, you know, you're not spending all your time out running your headlights, but you're spending a chunk of it chasing that down so you know where the break point is and where those transition points are from one skill to the next and one visual processing paradigm to the next. So, you know, um, it it, it is definitely okay to outrun your headlights occasionally in training and then back off and train in that 80-90% range, pushing it hard. And I would say 90% is probably a better goal to push toward. Um, You know, yeah, that's where you'll learn things. So, is it failure? Doesn't mean you spend all your time there, though. So, yeah. Yep. Cool. 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 Yeah. On that note, um, as we come across interesting things, we try to get them posted up to our social media. You can find us on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters and on Instagram at Cap City Outfitters too. Um, we apologize for not being able to post a lot of gun stuff. Um, the commie bastards at Meta have invented Skynet. Yeah. And it swats down all our stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, so we apologize about that. Are we able to do whiteboard? Are we able to write out what it is? Can we get away with that? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. If uh, we have something so we'll, sexy and that that may be the MO from a social standpoint that we may try and do that. Yeah. If we have something sexy and we may post it, but it may literally be a whiteboard shot of make model, except you know, make model and what's cool and why you should buy it kind of thing. Um, we apologize for not being visually sexy, but freaking commies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, on our website, capcityoffers.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor from our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week on Fridays. Um, the email newsletter does have pictures of cool new things that are in the store. Yes. Uh, so do sign up for that uh, or drop us an email to info at capcityoffers.com and we will add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. 40, we're at 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we are in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Um, we are here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. Um, a warning that we will be closed for Christmas break um, from Saturday, December 24th through, I think it's what the is second. it, like the 2nd, uh, Monday the 2nd, January Second, um, 2023, and we will reopen um, normal hours and whatnot on January 3rd, um, the Tuesday. The 3rd. Yep. So if you do um, need your freedom supplies, get them before 1223 uh, because we won't be here on the 24th. Amen. Or the week after. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yep. See you soon.